Lolita, light of my life, fire of my loins. My sin, my soul, Lolita. The tip of the tongue taking a trip of three steps down the palate to tap at three on the teeth. Lolita. She was low, plain low in the morning, standing four feet ten in one sock. She was Lola in slacks. She was Dolly at school. She was Dolores on the dotted line. But in my arms, she was always Lolita. Did she have a precursor? She did. Indeed she did. In point of fact, there may have been no Lolita at all had I not loved one summer an initial girl child in a Princeton by the sea. Oh, when? About as many years before Lolita was born as my age was that summer. You can always count on a murderer for a fancy prose style. So begins one of the great works of English literature, Vladimir Nabokov's Lolita. I'm author Zachary Kellyan. And I'm Dr. Gordon McAllen. And this is Literary Guys. Welcome to the Stardust Lounge, where we are talking about one of the most controversial books ever published, Lolita. And what better time to be recording this than the day after Father's Day? <laughs> that is true. We are, we are doing that. Yeah, we're, we're getting a little ahead of recording these, and I was just like, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> it, it's very creepy, as is this entire read, if you aren't kind of looking at it through the intentions of Nabokov. So I thought maybe before we even kind of dive into this book, we talk with our readers a little bit about what it is this novel's actually trying to accomplish, because of course the basic plot elements are quite disturbing. They're very disturbing. And we also know that almost nothing about this book is not somehow masked or rewritten or somehow presented to the audience, if you will, the readers here, with some sort of permutation to what in Nabokov's eyes actually was the real story that's being told here. Right. We don't know if any of this is true, really. So through the course of this discussion over the next couple episodes. We're not going to talk a whole lot about the plot, but let me just kind of quickly summarize it for you. And if you haven't read it yet, please skip this super summary. But basically the book starts off with Humbert Humbert talking about his childhood. He then moves to the town of Ramsdale, I believe. And he takes a house of a woman named Charlotte who has a daughter who he is infatuated with named Lolita. For reasons we'll get into, he ends up marrying Charlotte so that he can be close to Lolita. Charlotte's life ends somewhat abruptly, shall we say, and he ends up taking Lolita on a long road trip on which he begins to physically abuse her. Then he moves to a town with a school in it named Beardsley, and Lolita briefly attends the school. I meet some other friends. They travel around some more. Like, I'm talking about hundreds of pages of novel here. Like, there really isn't that much that happens. And during this time, the primary character, Humbert Humbert, he becomes suspicious that people are following him, at which point Lolita happens to just disappear after having some sort of medical incident. Then the final part of this book is Humbert reconnecting with Lolita after he figures out where she is and then going after the person who took her away from him and eventually committing murder. There's a lot that fills in the gaps between those things, but literally that is the entirety of the plot. 
the narrator that we are kind of forced to listen to through all of his uh, solipsistic ramblings is Humbert Humbert, not his real name even, so we don't even know what his real name is. But it is a name that can be changed into many other words, Humbertisms, if you will, throughout the course of the novel. Yeah, uh, he f- in fact forgets his own name at a couple points in the novel, the name that he's given himself. So we've got a deeply unreliable narrator. And then we also have what is by 2022 standards and was indeed at the time Nabokov was writing it, a tale of a pedophile grooming a young girl and continuously abusing that young girl for the majority of the novel. So why would you want to read something like that? Well, I think we should talk a little bit about Nabokov as a writer and kind of what he was trying to do and make the case for why this is a great work and not uh, a work of pornographic fiction, which is how it was actually published originally in France. Vladimir Nabokov is a Russian-born writer. I think 1899 he was born in Russia, later emigrated to Germany, then to France. So when he's writing Lolita, he's actually writing in his fourth language, which is extremely infuriating to anyone who's ever, any native English writer who's ever tried to put pen to paper and has failed to come across this lyrical or poetic. An absolute genius, just a, a really impressive resume in terms of what he's done for the English language. And Lolita is his attempt at kind of peeling back the narrative convention style. So not only is he giving us an unreliable narrator, but he's also giving us a glimpse into the male gaze in a more truthful and brutal fashion than I think any novel before it. So on the surface, it's very much this pedophile trying to justify his horrific actions. But beneath the surface, we've got an author who is well aware of just how evil his main narrator is and trusts you, the reader, to look through the BS as we in society must look through all predators' BS, all Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity, and see the real truth of the matter. And I think that's why this novel was misunderstood when it came out and indeed is probably still misunderstood today because people read it just for the plot and not for the subtext beneath it. Well, I would admit that even I think I don't read it with all of the context that you just spoke of. Like, it's a difficult novel to read. Before we started recording here, I was saying how much difficulty I was having getting through this novel because the plot is very thin and isn't really held together and in some cases is extremely repetitive. Mm. There's chapter after chapter of them just driving around. Nothing really happens during that time. But I will say that Nabokov does an excellent job of creating a mood and helping us understand these characters at a deeper level. But again, you say that Humbert Humbert is an unreliable narrator, so do we really understand him at all? I don't know. We don't. I think we're not meant to understand him. This is not meant to be a sympathy for the devil type of narrative. We're not meant to empathize with this pedophile, even though we are kind of forced to through the course of the narrative, because that's the only voice that we're hearing. Mm -hmm. I think we are meant to recognize deeper, more disturbing things about society and indeed masculinity in the world. And I think that's why it's such an important novel for us to be talking about here on Literary Guys. There's a quote that you and I were talking about right before we sat down. By the way, we are seated at our usual booth and we are drinking Pins, which is Humbert Humbert's favorite drink of pineapple and gin, later Snoop Dogg's gin and juice. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite. No. <laughs> but much like Humbert Humbert, it leaves a sour aftertaste. Yeah, there we go. Um, but there's a, there's a quote that we were just talking about before we started recording that I think helps contextualize a little bit of what Nabokov is trying to accomplish. I have no intention to glorify H.H., 
No doubt, he is horrible. He is abject. He is a shining example of moral leprosy, a mixture of ferocity and jocularity that betrays supreme misery, perhaps, but is not conducive to attractiveness. He is ponderously capricious. Many of his casual opinions on the people and scenery of this country are ludicrous. A desperate honesty that throbs through his confession does not absolve him from sins of diabolical cunning. He is abnormal. He is not a gentleman. But how magically his singing violin can conjure up a tendress, a compassion for Lolita that makes us entranced with the whole book while abhorring its author. Yeah, and I think you've, you've got kind of a nice authorial statement right there. Vladimir Nabokov hates the narrator of his novel and indeed I think bakes in that hatred and in some cases that self-hatred that we get from Humbert Humbert on rare fleeting glimpses throughout the course of the narrative and I think it's important to remind ourselves of that when all of the double days and the penguins of the world turned him down for publication Mm -hmm. and his predominantly pornographic publisher I think it was called Olympia Press in France eventually published it, uh, much to Nabokov's chagrin when he sat down for the final meeting with the publisher. The publisher had assumed that it was an autobiography and that he was publishing Nabokov's real thoughts of his own pedophilia, which was just disgusting for a man who has never shown any inclination for that, was indeed married throughout all of his life to the amazing Mm -hmm. Vera, who helped edit and uh, translate many of his novels. I mean, this is a man who in his epilogue to the novel talks about butterfly capturing. and Which he was one of the world's preeminent. There's a name for it that escapes me right now, but whatever butterfly collecting is called, he was one of the premier ones. He was also what is deemed a chess composer, where he would create complicated chess problems and then try to solve them in his spare time. Also a noted insomniac. He called sleep a moronic fraternity and the greatest threat to humanity and genius. Slept about half hour every night. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting guy. Absolute genius. And I think you have to read Lolita knowing that you have a master craftsman who is trying to pull the rug out from under you every step of the way. Mm -hmm. But again, that doesn't mean that it's not a disturbing read from time to time. And And it is indeed intended to be so. I think if you can read Lolita and not be disturbed by it, you've kind of lost a little bit of your humanity too. So the novel is told in the past tense, but it's also from a narrator who knows the outcome of everything but is the last bit of his fate. And I think that that is very interesting, that he thinks he's going to be hanged or executed in some form, although he never makes it to that, that he ends up having some sort of heart condition, and that ends up being his downfall. But I think we've got this fascinating character of Humbert Humbert, who we are forced to listen to and and subjected <laughs> to, to and listen to. to. And I was thinking, as I was reading this, who is it that I picture when I picture Ooh. Humbert Humbert? Because we've definitely had multiple film adaptations of this. We've had James Mason right. in Kubrick's adaptation. We had Jeremy Irons, who in also eight- reads the audiobook of this. Which is, uh, I just listened to for the first time for this reread, and absolute masterpiece in terms of audio work. But I'm curious, if you take that off the table, Hmm. and the preconceived notions of that, who do you picture when you read Humbert Humbert? Well, it's interesting because Humbert Humbert describes himself in great detail, but I don't know that we can actually go with that. Yes. Uh, He describes himself as being very aristocratic, uh, high nobility. I think he he often likes to say this uh, refers to some of his Gaelic or or Celtic features from time to time. 
I picture him like a lot of those guys that you see wandering into the trap house on NBC's To Catch a Predator. Mm. I see him as having very outdated, thick eyewear, balding, poor personal hygiene. Mm-hmm. I really view him as one of those like kind of sad, pathetic figures that indeed the pariahs of our society, pedophiles often are. So I gave this a lot of thought. Okay. Like maybe more thought than I put into reading this novel. <laughs> and after quite a bit of consideration, I figured it out. And it is me picturing Michael Sheen in the wonderful made-for-TV movie Seven Days in Hell, portraying the character of Caspian Wit, host of Good Sport. And for our listeners who have not watched this movie, I really cannot recommend it more highly enough. He is this perfect, sexually repressed British man who has terrible personal hygiene Mm -hmm. and seems to not care about how other people view him. Like, as uh, one of the other characters says, everyone knew he was a rapscallion. And I feel that same way with Humbert Humbert. Like, everyone was just waiting for whatever it was that was about him to come out eventually. And so, yeah, I, I went back and I rewatched it, and I was like, yeah, that's spot on. <laughs> I almost wonder if Michael Sheen, who is a delightful actor and so talented, might have uh, been thinking about Humbert Humbert when he created that character. I mean, whoever takes this on in any film adaptation would have to be an incredible actor because to to be able to portray this character with any amount of empathy or sympathy, I think, would take someone with a lot of uh, chutzpah. Interesting. Interesting. The thing that I think we could really talk about here on Literary Guys is really, to me, the point of the novel, and that is the solipsism of the male gaze. How men are so able, at least unchecked in society, to delude themselves into their own realities. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly pedophiles, you, you see Humbert Humbert making a lot of excuses, often claiming that Lolita, this 12 year old girl, is initiating some of their encounters or is enjoying it in any kind of capacity. When, of course, we all know in thinking society, it's rape, mm-hmm. unequivocally so, and what he's doing is pure evil. But for him to kind of be able to delude himself reminds me of a lot of guys that I've known over the years who might say something as seemingly innocuous as like, yeah, you know, I haven't talked to her much, but I'm sure my wife's happy or, you know, I don't think I've been much of a bully to that person. I'm just giving him a hard time. You know, I I think toxic masculinity in our culture has been allowed for too long to have our opinions of ourselves as men kind of go unchecked. And I think Nabokov is very aware of that when he was writing this. Every man in this novel, if they're not directly a pedophile themselves, the other main guy characters are, are incredibly at least unaware of their personal surroundings and I think that this is a greater exploration of that so I thought maybe just in terms of this novel structure before we really get into kind of the the Mm -hmm. plot which as you said is fairly threadbare we could kind of talk about that I was wondering what some of your thoughts were on the notion of men deluding themselves and indeed the almost narcissism of it's only me in this world and they, they can't kind of empathize with others he's taking a long drink before this response I think there's two ways you have to look at this, and they both add up to essentially what you're Mm. saying. The first is the inward view, and when I say that, I'm talking about what he himself has deluded himself into believing, as you say. Like, he makes these terrible statements about how Lolita, like, this is partially her doing, and that she also seduced him, and it's... It's nonsensical, and it's this very male sense of entitlement, and come back to that in a second, but it's also the fact 
that he believes that the world is shaped around him. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Lolita was somehow presented to him. Like it, it was his destiny that this was going to happen. And as the song said, you know, the world owes me a living. And mm-hmm. and and I feel like Humbert Humbert also has this like, you know, I had this traumatic incident when I was a young boy with this girl, Annabelle, was it? Yeah. And that somehow that justifies what's going on here because I, I was owed that. I was owed that experience and I was denied it. And now this whole thing with Lolita comes about and he twists his mind around the fact that, you know, how horrible this is. And yet somehow it's what he was owed. Like, that's the way I, I look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this whole justification he has. Annabelle Lee, who, by the way, we don't know if this person, even in the fictional world, actually existed. Annabelle Lee is a famous poem by Edgar Allan Poe. So this could just be another one of Humbert, Humbert's elaborate literary references that he's weaving into the narrative. But he seems to feel like this, at the time, age-appropriate relationship or crush he had on this girl mm-hmm. that was cut short. I believe she died of some kind of illness and that he was denied kind of this, this true relationship, kind of fixed him in time mm-hmm. to being attracted to girls, I think, 9 to 14 is kind of what he defines as his nymphette, which, by the way, is a Nabokov coinage. Nymphette is something we use today, but is a word that he created for this novel and it's so interesting to me that he thinks that that can justify anything but he I think at least in this writing to your point of entitlement truly believes that he is owed that yeah and so this gets to kind of the second point which is more of like the external like how other characters view him or how the world interacts with him which, if you don't mind me getting on my soapbox a little bit here, I was really thinking about why is it I don't like this book. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's not without its literary value and certainly has some amazing passages in it. And there are some very witty things that he says, which, you know, is sort of a book nerd. I appreciate But I was like, what is it that really makes this book so annoying for me to read? And the only thing I can keep coming back to is that this book is a perfect example of white cisgendered straight male privilege Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this guy Humbert Humbert is out doing terrible things and acting like an ass and nobody questions him there's like one weird scene where he thinks someone at the hotel he's at is like on to him and is making insidious remarks about him but beyond that comment like nothing happens here that ever looks at this guy suspiciously He's out there very much flaunting this. He's putting very little effort into hiding what is actually going on. And the world is like, yeah, okay. You know what? Like, he's a white, straight guy and... Well-spoken. Exactly. And, like, we wouldn't question him. There's so many opportunities, particularly in the middle part of this book, where someone just needed to kind of say, wait, something's seriously wrong here. Mm -hmm. And yet, none of that happens. And I think that that really started to bother me after a while, that as soon as you stray outside of that white, male, cisgendered, straight world, people become incredibly questioning. Yeah. And they doubt everything and they read the worst intention of everything that's going on. To read this book where this person is doing very blatant, horrible things and everybody just kind of lets it go, I found that very distasteful. And it took me a while to kind of put a shape to that and to figure out what it was that it was bugging me. But at the end of the day, that's really what it is for me. Well, I think Nabokov succeeded then in one of the many reasons he wrote this novel in 1955. 
I don't think it was uncommon. In point of fact, Nabokov is actually inspired a little bit by an actual case that Humbert Humbert himself references a couple times throughout the novel, that of the kidnapping of Florence Horner, who was an 11-year-old girl who was kidnapped by an auto mechanic who took her around the country for two years, mm-hmm. checking into hotels as father, daughter, all that kind of stuff. This was a, a publicized case at the time. Nabokov, I think, was disgusted by that fact that this white cisgendered man could go around the country and be so obviously problematic and evil about what he was doing but because he was presenting himself in a specific way that society accepted at the time he was allowed this kind of freedom and people even if their warnings were triggered a little bit like oh this doesn't quite seem right the fact that he looked like most of middle america at the time spoke like middle america at the time he was allowed these transgressions. So I think that's exactly why Nabokov's writing Lolita is to expose this, is to show Humbert Humbert is pure evil. But even in the course of reading this novel, we laugh a little bit because he's funny. He makes some really wry, sardonic comments. His language is very florid and beautiful, and you just want to kind of luxuriate in the language. But at the same time, you're luxuriating in the language of somebody who's doing something beyond evil. I think Nabokov was very much trying to make the statement that bothered you so much about this novel, is that men like Humbert Humbert were allowed to do those things because they fit into a certain acceptable archetype, even though what they were about and what they were doing was anything but acceptable. Okay. I think that at least makes me feel a little bit better about it, but it's still painful to read. I'll correct myself here. There actually is someone else who called him out on it, and it's Charlotte who yeah. we haven't talked about yet, but Humbert Humbert was married to Lolita's mom. And yeah. and she was fooled just like everyone else. Now, she is not painted as a sophisticated character in any way, shape, or form, but she was living with the guy, married to him. And it wasn't until she found his diary right. that she understood what was going on. So th- this is a really interesting thing to talk about, too. How much do we know actually about Charlotte? How much do we know about Lolita? We're getting all of our opinions of these women through a very toxic male gaze. Mm -hmm. And Charlotte is absolutely painted comically like a buffoon at times who just falls head over heels for no particular reason for Humbert Humbert other than that he thinks he's attractive and well-dressed. It's like either move out or marry me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he focuses on her emotional dilemmas. Mm Mm-hmm. And even when he's like kind of reading her notes that she's, I think, writing to her relatives to inform them of his deception, he focuses on the like, quote unquote, hysterical moments of those letters, but then glosses over other things where I think she's probably, at least I believe Nabokov is leading us to believe she's making very erudite points about him. I think Charlotte could actually be slightly more thinking and intelligent than the narrative gives her credit for because Humbert Humbert doesn't want to grant her that license, that agency. I think it's a good point. I think we're dealing with such a self-centered and unreliable narrator here that we really can't believe any of this. Like, she definitely is painted as a buffoon. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. And it just always reminds me of that scene when he goes to look at the house. It's like, you know, do I want to choose this as my lodging? And to have made up in his mind that he wasn't going to stay there. And, he, he, you know, he couldn't stand being in that house. And then he sees Lolita and he's like, sign me up. Like, I'm, I'm staying here. Like that, I don't know. To me, it says a lot. Like, th- this is a man who is making decisions from a terrible place. And mm-hmm. it just sort of foreshadows the fact that he will do anything. 
and I would actually argue that I expected even worse things to happen in this book mm-hmm. by the end of it. I think that that was kind of one of the things that I, I feel doesn't resonate here. Like, most of the worst things that happen in this book happen within the first third of it. Sure. And then it just kind of goes into uh, stasis for a while, and we can talk about that next episode. And then, of course, there's some bad things at the end, but... It does feel like we're presaged this whole notion of, like, this man will do anything, including marry a woman simply so that he can be in the proximity of the nymphette daughter. Which Hubbard Humbert presents it as this kind of opportunity fell into his lap. And it's interesting, my only reference for predators and pedophiles is what I see on Dateline. But it seems like these predators come into this sting operation and they act like this is the first time they've ever done this. And as soon as I logged into this chat room, this girl started coming on to me. And then it's very quickly revealed that they've talked to six other Mm -hmm. girls online Mm -hmm. and that they have multiple arrests and warrants for these very same type of behavior. My read on this is that Humbert Humbert actively seduced Charlotte. He recognized that she was a woman, at the very least, in a desperate situation, being Mm -hmm. a single mother in the 50s, and was looking for somebody to be a rock for her family. And so I think he presented himself as that. He makes these subtle allusions throughout the novel for time he's spent either institutionalized or incarcerated. And indeed, in the 1950s, a lot of pedophilic tendencies were treated as, you know, hey, this is just like a phase you're going through. Let's just put you in a little institution for a couple of weeks, talk you through it. You'll be cured, which we now understand it's much deeper than that. There's a perpetual recidivism when it comes to that. But they didn't know that back in the 1950s. So I am led to believe that Humbert Humbert has done this many times before. Mm -hmm. And indeed, from the very beginning even though he makes it seem like this is an opportunity that he just fell into his lap and reinvigorated his lost love for Annabelle Lee. I think he was a predator from day one. And I think the portrayal that we get of Charlotte is, yeah, very dismissive. I don't know that that was actually representative of the woman she was. I think that's really interesting. I think that does shed a lot more light on what's going on here. But I also think that it is time to wrap up this episode. Next week, we'll be back talking about Lolita Moore and what I think is just kind of a road trip comedy, right? That's um... <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, he uh, Humbert Humbert has some very, to be fair, very funny observations about America as they are mm-hmm. going on this road trip that... If you divorce yourself from the realities of this novel and you think, okay, this is a work of fiction, this is not an actual girl being victimized, uh, you could kind of laugh along with Humbert Humbert and his dismissiveness of some of American society. But um, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's really horrible. (laughs) I I, I am simply joking that it is a road trip comedy. But I I, I see your point. It it is such an interesting uh, narrative turn that this novel takes. And we'll go into why uh, Nabokov does that in our next episode. Sounds good. Well, until then, this has been Literary Guys, signing off.